Thanks for listening to the Grace Life Podcast. We all wish we had more direction in life. We have so many questions about work, marriage, family, our future. Many times we just wish we knew what God was saying. When you hear someone say God spoke to them, you ever wonder, but how did they hear God? What does he even sound like? Or does he still speak to us today? Join us for a series on hearing God's voice and how we can learn the way he communicates with us. All right, everybody, welcome to Grace Life. Before we get started, first of all, let me say happy Mother's Day. Come on, let's give it up for the moms. Yeah. Woo. There you go. If you were not here last week, I want to remind you that uh, we have someone sharing our parking lot with us. How many of you noticed that today? Yeah. Okay, so there is a church that normally meets in downtown Columbia that is renovating their building, and the only space they could find to meet is that building right there which means we will be sharing a parking lot for the summer. So come on, just remember, don't be mean in the parking lot. You're going to live in heaven together. You got to get along, right? Okay. So be nice to each other. They start at 10. So when you guys get here, it should kind of be okay. It just might be a little more crowded as you're coming in. Uh, Last thing before we get started, want to make sure you know what's coming up. I need your help for our next series. Our next series you've seen us do before. It's our Just Ask series. That means we're going to have the entire pastoral staff up here doing our best to answer as many of your questions as possible. And uh, we're going to do this over two weeks, and it starts two weeks from today. So here's what you can do. You can, first of all, fill out one of these in the lobby and drop that in the bucket with any questions that you have. Or you can do this on the website, or best would be to check out the new gracelife.church app, and you can put your questions there. That's going to be fun. Somebody looking forward to that? Okay, all right. Well, we'll take that for now. All right, everybody, we are on part four of a series we've been doing, talking about hearing God's voice. If you've been here for the past three weeks, the first thing that we've been doing is understanding how God speaks to us. What are the voices that God uses? And so we discovered, first of all, God has a spiritual voice. That means that because God is spirit, God dwells in each of us through his Holy Spirit, that there's an internal voice. And it will come through our thoughts, it comes through our feelings, it could even come through dreams. God is spirit, God speaks spiritually to us. But he doesn't stop there. The second thing we learned is God has a physical voice. And so this means that God speaks through physical things in our physical world, like people and circumstances. And then last week we looked at how God has a written voice. And we learned that we have to trust that the Bible is God's voice to us. Now, before I go any further, I just want to touch on that real quickly. If you were not here last week, you may think that that says, I just want you to just believe blindly and dumbly, if that's a word. Is that a word? I don't know if that is. but, But that's not what we did at all. What we actually did is we took time to have a really intelligent conversation, a very logical conversation, and and looked at can we trust the Bible? Can we believe the Bible to actually be God's word to us in 2017? So if you were not here, or if you still struggle with that question, like how can people say that the Bible is God's word? How can they just take it for what it says? Uh, It's a legitimate question, I think, and I think you have a legitimate answer on the website. Go back and check that out, and then you'll be all caught up with where we are. Because what we want to talk about now is where to go from there. So we know that God speaks to us, but I think we could all agree there are times where we don't feel like God's speaking. 
Sometimes we're, we're, we're like, where did, where did you go? God, where were you? I, I thought you were talking to me a little bit ago. You have seasons where you're like, man, this is awesome. You're filling up your journal. Everything is working great. I remember when I was in college, my, my pastor was my mentor, and he was helping me be prepared because I, I knew that I was called to ministry. So he was, he was discipling me, even though I was a music major at the time. And I would sit down and meet with him. And there were times he would say, hey, what is, what is God saying to you? And I'd have great answers. But the majority of the time, I'll be honest, it was not the majority of the time. Majority of the time, he would say, hey, what is God saying to you? And I'd say, dude, I have no clue. I haven't had time to ask the question, much less get an answer. You know, I was doing a double concentration when I was in college, trying to get two degrees at the same time. So typically I was doing between 22 and 24 credit hours every semester. I was a music major, which meant that I was in a practice room four hours a day, sometimes six hours a day, and on weekends, eight hours a day. And so the idea that I had spare time, well, that didn't happen. I didn't even take time to go eat. I lived off of Snickers for like four years in college. Come on, anybody with me? Snickers and Dr. Pepper. It was at the end of the music hall. Like you didn't even have to leave the fourth floor where all the pianos were. I just walked down to the hall, get a Dr. Pepper and a Snickers and walk right back to my piano and get going again. And that's what I would do because I was so busy. And then I would sit down with my pastor and he'd say, what does God say? I don't know. I bet I'm not the only one that thinks sometimes, you know, God, you're just not there. Where, where are you? Why won't you just talk? Well, it turns out when we're struggling with whether or not God is speaking to us, it might not be God speaking that's the problem. It might be our hearing. So we've taken three weeks so far to talk about how God speaks to us. We're going to close out the series today and next week. We're going to take two weeks to talk about how we listen. Because in all reality, how we listen is just as important as how God speaks. To know how he speaks doesn't do any good if we don't know what is keeping us from hearing or if we don't know how to hear better. So that's what we're going to talk about today and next week. And, and I want to remind you again about Moses because we've been talking about him throughout the whole series. And we've decided so far we all want to be like Moses. Every week I tell you how Moses could hear God's voice better than anybody else. And we're just like, yes, I want that. So if you remember, Moses is the guy who could just walk along and suddenly a bush would catch fire, and God's voice would come out of it. Moses was the guy who spent 40 days and 40 nights on top of Mount Sinai just being with God. Moses was the guy who would go in and say something to Pharaoh, like, let my people go. And Pharaoh would say, I don't think so. And so Moses would go back out. Hey, what do you want me to tell him now? He'd walk back in there. He'd say something. Pharaoh would say something. He'd walk right out. What do you want me to say now? And he would just back it like a conversation. And like every single one of us says, we want that. Okay, well, how about this one? There's a sentence in the Bible. If this does not get you to want what Moses had, I don't think anything ever will. Check this out. It's out of Exodus 33, verse 11. And it says, the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks with a friend. Wow. Come on, raise your hand finally. Who wants what Moses had? All right, there you go. You guys are not quite as bright as the first service. They didn't raise their hand because they know it's always a trick. Anybody raises their hand is in trouble, right? And you guys are like, yes, come on. Okay, thank you. Because now you raised your hand, I'm going to tell you how Moses got it. You see, we want verse 11, but here's the thing. It's in context. It's not a sentence just floating out there all by itself. It's part of a pattern of Moses' life. Let me show you how Moses got to a point that the Lord would speak to him face to face as you and I speak with our friends. If you've got your Bibles, we're in Exodus 33 today, and we're going to start in verse 7. It says, Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp, far off from the camp. And he called it the tent of meeting. 
And everyone who sought the Lord would go out to the tent of meeting, which was outside the camp. Are y'all seeing the theme with this? The tent was outside the camp. It was far off from the camp. This is where Moses would go because he understood that if I needed to hear God's voice, I needed to silence the noise that was around me. I had to get away from everything else. And it goes on to say this. So whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people would rise up and each would stand at his tent door and watch Moses until he had gone into the tent. And when Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent, and the Lord would speak with Moses. And when all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people would rise up and worship each at his tent door. And thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face, as a man speaks to his friend. That is how he used to hear from the voice of God so well, is because He didn't just sit around talking to 10 other people and say, excuse me, be quiet for a second, I hear God. That wasn't how he did that. He intentionally took one tent and said, this is where we're going to meet with God. And you would think when you've got a people that they, you know, we're kind of still arguing about how many of the Israelites were at this point. But most people agree we were somewhere in the neighborhood of about one, one and a half million people, right? Okay, if that were true, you would think if you had about one million people or more that to make it easy, you'd put the tent in the middle, right? I mean, you want everybody to be able to get access to meeting with God. Let's put the tent in the middle so everybody can come to it. And Moses actually put it far off really stinks for the person who lived on the opposite side. They got to go all the way through a million people and then they got to get over here and then they've got to keep walking. Moses said, I want to meet with God, so I've got to get away from everybody else. And if that wasn't a good enough example, check out what his assistant, Joshua. We're going to hear a lot about Joshua in the future if we keep reading. This is the guy that took over after Moses, helped the Israelites conquer the promised land, did amazing things with his life. I bet if you know the stories of Joshua, you'd say, I would like what Joshua had. We've already said, yes, I want what Moses had. Now we'd say, I want what Joshua had. Well, look at how they got it. When Moses turned again into the camp, his assistant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent. I mean, think about that. Everybody else, as soon as Moses would go, they would all come to the tent, the door of their tent. Look, Moses is walking by. He's going to hear from God again. And they would just stand there. Nobody would go out to work. Nobody would do anything else. You guys don't do that for me when I get up and pray in the mornings, by the way. I mean, y'all just, like, go about your life. But anyway, so they would all come out, and they would watch Moses going by. Oh, man, let's see what's going to happen. And as soon as the cloud, they would see a cloud come down in the distance. Man, they would fall on their face, and they would worship. And then Moses, he'd get done talking to God. He would come back in, and he'd be ready to tell them what God said. And Joshua would stand there thinking, huh, I want God. And he wouldn't leave the tent he would stay there joshua remained behind because he wanted what moses got the question is do you do you want what moses got we raise our hands we say so if we want what moses had are we willing to do what moses did if moses is not the person who gets you excited or floats your boat and says yeah i don't want to be like moses okay how about jesus how many people would like to be like jesus here's another example jesus did the exact same thing He also would get away from everybody else because he wanted to hear from God. Mark 1.35 says this, And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. Now look, I have to be honest. As a preacher, I can't tell you how many times I've made fun of this verse. 
I can't tell you how many times I've said, if the sun is not up, I shouldn't be either, right? Anybody with me on that one? You know, the number of times, like, Jesus, why don't you have to go and ruin this? Like, if it wasn't for this verse in the Bible, we have biblical permission to sleep in. And then he goes and ruins it. I've, I've made all of those jokes. And, and they're good jokes. They're a lot of fun. But the reality is why he did what he did. Why did he go early? Why did he go while it was still dark? Because the simple answer is you've got to do it before the people are up. You've got to do it before the activities of the day begin. Let's just, just do it. Seriously, raise your hands with me on this. Let's do a little litmus test. How many of us have ever stayed up too late because, you know, you just got caught up in binge watching your favorite show or you were watching the Super Bowl and your team lost by 20 points and too bad for you, but you stayed up to watch the game, right? Come on, anybody, stayed up late, right? Yeah. And so when it came time for your alarm, you did what? Snooze. There you go, exactly. Snooze, snooze. And, you, and so you get up and you're like, oh, man, I tell you what, Jesus, I'll find some time for you later today. Raise your hand if later never came. There you go. Why is it? Did you suddenly not like Jesus anymore? You didn't want to talk to him anymore? No, of course not. It's because now there's just so much going on. There are so many people around you. There's so much busyness. There's so much activity. This is why Jesus did this when it was early and when it was dark. And then he went to a desolate place. What in the world does that mean? It means he went somewhere where anything and everything that could distract was nowhere near him. He went where anything and everything that could distract him was nowhere near him. And I think the best question that we really need to ask at this point is, wait a minute. I thought Jesus was God. Has anybody ever wondered why God needs to get up and talk to God? Anybody, seriously? Is that a yes or a no? All right, we're gonna go with it. And here's the simple reason. Because what Jesus did he did not do as God. What Jesus did, the life he lived, he lived as a man filled with the Spirit of God so that we could have hope. I want you to think about it like this. If Jesus did what he did as God, and then you sit down with somebody and, and they're saying, well, hey, let's consider Jesus. And you say, well, what good would that do? He was God, I'm not. Okay, so I need you to understand, yes, Jesus was fully God. But Jesus was also fully man, and Scripture tells us that he voluntarily chose that what he did, he did not do out of being God, that he voluntarily set aside his deity, that what he did, he did as a man filled with the Spirit of God, so that you and I had hope, that everything that he could do, and that's why Jesus said, you're going to do greater things than I did. You see, when I raised someone from the dead, I didn't do that because I was God. I did that because I was a man with God inside of me. You're going to be able to do this too. You're going to be able to hear the voice of God just like I did. You're going to be able to do everything, not because I was God, but because I was a man filled with the Spirit of God. And you are going to be people filled with the Spirit of God. You can hear what I can hear. You can do what I can do. Jesus did that simply to give us hope. If Moses... If Moses, the man who I would venture to say, interacted better with God than any other human ever. I mean, you're not going to see many other people that just talk back and forth, cast plagues, get Ten Commandments in stone. Yeah, I mean, come on, seriously. There are very few people that have a story that even begin to rival Moses' interaction with God. And then if Jesus himself, if both of these men need to take time to get away from everything and everybody to be alone and to be quiet with God, how do we think we're any different? Is that a fair question? I mean, who of us thinks, oh yeah, I don't need that. 
And, and again, why did Jesus model for us? Because not only was he modeling how we can heal people and, and we should be able to raise the dead and we should be able to do miracles because we too are people with the Spirit of God living within us, what he also modeled was how a person, even though filled with the Spirit of God, lives in a fallen, broken world. The pressure around us and the noise around us is so great, we have just got to get away from this. We've got to get away from this. We have to silence the noise. Turns out it was an incredibly common practice for Jesus. This isn't just one random verse I found. Luke 15 says that great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities, but he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. There we go again, same phrase. He would get away from anything and everything that would distract. Mark 14 says after he dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Everything that Jesus did was constantly saying, I need to get refreshed. I'm exhausted. This world is taking it out of me. And we need to remember this. The Bible tells us Jesus faced the same temptations we faced, but he didn't succumb to any of them. He didn't fall into any of the traps that we did. He didn't have the broken thinking. He didn't have the broken feelings. He, he didn't have that struggle. And so if Jesus, who is still perfect, needs that kind of refreshing from the Father, how much more will those of us whose thinking gets awry, whose feelings are corrupt, how much more are we going to need to get away from the things that cause that stuff to us? So the real question for us today, and what we're here to talk about, is how do we silence the noise? How do we silence the noise? And, and, and we're going to put it into the language that we've been using all throughout the series. So just like we've said that God has a spiritual voice and God has a physical voice, well, what I'm going to do today is show us how we have physical noise and spiritual noise. Our lives are filled with physical noise and spiritual noise. When we talk about silencing the physical noise, let's do that one first. Silencing the physical noise, what we're really talking about is this idea of silence and solitude. I don't know if you ever heard those words. They are two different things, but we say them together all the time because the reality is it usually takes them working together. If you know how to find silence without solitude, you get to preach next week. It's one of the most difficult things in the world to do. If you wait until your schedule is working, until people are calling you, until your texts are going off, until your kids are out of bed, until everything is going on, and you think you can find solitude then or silence then, never going to happen. You're only going to find silence when you get away from everything else. And so here's what we see. Jesus got alone. Jesus got quiet. Moses got alone. Moses got quiet. David would do this. Isaiah would do this. Everybody we've ever seen who had the stuff with God that we want, they would get alone and they would get quiet. You see, we have to make room for a spiritual voice in our natural lives. Because here's the truth. It is difficult to hear a voice that's spiritual when we're consumed with what's natural. It is difficult to hear a voice that's spiritual when we're consumed with what's natural. What that means is that we're not going to hear our feelings if we are so busy, if we are so active with so many things, if we don't have time to just sit down and say, what do I feel? What do I think? I was honestly kind of having that struggle myself this morning, and I had one of the weirdest mornings I've ever had because, you know, Sundays are pretty high intensity for me, a little bit higher pressure than my other days of the week. My schedule operates a little bit earlier, and there's not a lot of room for margin. And so I got here and discovered that I had forgotten something at home. 
And so I had to go back home, and I'm like, oh, man, I, I don't think I have time for this. And so I'm, I'm running back home, and I'm getting up tight, and my feelings are kind of getting awry, and now I'm getting upset with things because things aren't going the right way. And so I do what I needed to do, and then I leave, and I get a mile from my house at a stoplight and realize, I forgot something else. I'm like, no! I mean, I'm like screaming in my car. And so as I'm driving back to my house for the third time before I'm supposed to be here, right? It's like, wait a minute, just turn the radio off and go, okay, God, what is, what is going on? And just, you just have to get quiet to even figure out what is going on in here. The truth is, I don't think we even have a clue how noisy our lives are. And I'm not insulting you when I say that. Matter of fact, can I just stop and say, for us to get any more out of this message, we've got to be people who are willing to laugh at ourselves. So are you willing to laugh at yourselves or at least not be mad at me for pointing out things about us? Can, can, you, can you go with me on that one? We are so consumed. Our world is so overstimulated. We don't even know how noisy our world is. True, true story. Ask the staff about red light, green light. Somebody's laughing back there. Because I will get distracted. We'll be in a conversation with somebody or in a staff meeting or I'm meeting with one of them and then my phone will do something or, 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 or the, the computer, whatever. It just doesn't even matter. But suddenly the whole staff will go, wait, red light. And they're making a joke that I need a hat that has a red light and a green light. Green light for when I'm listening to you and you can keep talking and red light for when I just checked out. Because I'll just do that. You know, suddenly you're sitting there and your phone goes, oh, yeah. and they're like, I noticed they all stopped talking. They're like, oh, red light. It's just how we are. Did you know that 95% of all text messages are returned within 30 seconds? You know what's most interesting is that none of you are shocked by that number. Seriously, that means 95% of all of the text messages in the world either come at the most opportune time or we don't even notice how inundated we are with the things that take place around us. That we're constantly just distracted with this or distracted with that. We've got alerts and notifications and things are constantly coming up. Oh, look, who just got drafted in the NBA, you know? I mean, we don't even have to pull our phones out anymore. We've got watches that tell us what our phone just said because that's just too far, you know? <laughs> Whoop, don't want to do that. Oh, that's better. I can be distracted much more quickly now. I mean, it's just crazy. And, and, and I need you to understand, I'm not one of those soapbox preachers that want to stand up here and go, you know, technology is from the devil. Don't watch the TV because the devil lives inside the TV. No, I'm not telling you that stuff. All of that can be amazing. I mean, you can use technology to hear great sermons from all around the world to get your Bible reading guide. It's all there. Your little notifications that keep blurping at you all the time. It can beeping, blurping. What is, I don't even know where that came from. Sorry. But, but that, that could even be your Bible reading guide saying this is your verse of the day. I'm not saying these are bad things. I'm just saying there's so much of it. So much of it. It's like chocolate cake. It's a really good thing. Have about 12 slices and see how you feel. You know, just because it's a good thing doesn't mean that we need it all around us. We become completely numb to the distractions. Perfect example. This past Wednesday, I was meeting with a mentor of mine, another pastor. He's further down the road, so uh, physically and geographically and, and everything else. And, and so I meet with him that, and try to learn from him. And so we're just talking. We're in this tiny little restaurant that is the size of a living room. 
It's one of those places, as soon as you walk in, everybody turns to see who just walked in because, you know, you're now consuming like half of the room already, right? And and so if you're going to have a conversation in this restaurant, everybody else is going to hear you unless everybody else is having a conversation. So you appreciate the the noise that's kind of taking place. It's the only way you can have a private conversation if the noise is at a certain level. And we noticed at one point, this had been happening for a while, that the noise was building and building, and he and I weren't even paying attention to it. We were just louder and louder and louder. We would just talk louder and louder to each other. And and then it finally occurred to us that everybody else was not talking anymore. They had stopped talking because they were all looking at this mom with two kids who were throwing the world's biggest fit. Speaking of Mother's Day, come on, let's give it up for the mom who takes two kids out to lunch. There you go. But everybody else in the restaurant is like, would you shut those children up? And he and I were just still going at it, not even noticing. You know why? Because I have four kids and he has seven. (laughs) We don't notice kids screaming. We're so numb to the distraction. We're so used to the noise. Two kids, come on, between us, we got 11. Like, she's got two. There ain't nothing on us. Just keep talking, man. We can do this. We're so numb. We don't notice our text messages. We don't notice the notifications. We don't notice that when we get in the car, we will turn on a radio station. Even if we don't like the music, we will still listen. When we walk into our living rooms, we turn on the television because we appreciate a distraction in the background. We just like white noise. We just like background. We just like something that is there. But that's not what's there if we want to silence the physical noise. We're going to have to get away from this stuff. That means we're actually going to have to do some weird things like take a prayer walk where nobody knows where you are. Okay, I get it. You could like die on a trail in a park, but it hasn't happened to a lot of people prayer walking. So leave that excuse behind you, okay? And try this one. I'm going to go on a prayer walk without you. Ah. Seriously, next time you're having a bad day and you want to scream at everybody and yell on your way home from work, find a park. Leave the phone in the car. All right, I'll give you permission. Text your spouse and tell them what you're about to do so they don't think you're dead under a tree. But then leave the phone in the car. Don't don't take anything that can talk or that can make any noise. Get away, get quiet, and just see what happens. See, here's what I want you to know. Silence is okay. Awkward yet? Silence is okay. Every Thursday morning, our staff comes together and we pray. All the staff, everybody joins together at 9 a.m. We meet in this room and we pray for whatever God's going to do the upcoming weekend. And normally, just between all of the staff, we just, the talking never stops. Somebody's praying God blesses the children. Somebody else is praying for safety. Somebody's praying worship is anointed. Somebody's praying the message might actually make sense this week. I thought it made sense every week. I mean, people are just praying all the time, you know, just constantly praying. And then, then, then the weirdest thing happened. This hasn't ever happened. This past week, it just went quiet. And I start to get antsy because I'm like, you know, a high D type A leader. Like, okay, come on, we got to pray for something. Something's got to be, there's got to be something we can be praying for. Somebody be praying. And I literally was about to say, somebody pray. I've done that before. And God said, silence is okay. And for about five minutes, all the staff in this room did not say a word. We just sat listening. Just nothing. We didn't have music on in the speakers CrossFit wasn't happening next door. I mean, it was silent. Silence is okay. 
which leads us to the second thing that we need to do, which is silence the spiritual noise. And silencing the spiritual noise is about spiritual freedom and inner healing. It's about discovering that there's something in us that will keep us from hearing God's voice. You see, the voice of the enemy can actually come through our brokenness and confuse us. Or even worse, it can deceive us. And then we don't know how to hear. You see, we know God speaks through our feelings with a spiritual voice, right? We learned that in part one, right? So we know God can do that, but here's the dilemma that we get into. You can't hear God speak concern for the direction you are about to take if you're always consumed with worry and anxiety. You're not going to know the difference. You can't hear God speak a warning about something you're about to do if you're always consumed with fear because you don't know the difference. You can't hear God tell you to give something or to keep something if you're consumed with greed because those words don't work in your soul. If we're broken, the truth is it's just hard to hear God through a broken soul. It is hard to hear God through a broken soul. And on top of that, broken souls are consumed by shame and guilt. We've all been there. We're all there most any day of the week. You just pick a day. We have good days, we have bad days, and we've got shame and we've got guilt. And when we have shame and we have guilt, the last thing we want to do is talk to God. We say things like, I'm not going to talk to God. He knows who I am. He knows what I do. He knows what I thought. He knows what I surfed on the web. No, I'm not going to that God. He's just waiting to strike me dead. He's just waiting to rebuke me and to smack me and to judge me. You see, that's when we need to remind ourselves what Brett was talking about during communion. When you did everything wrong, before you had ever done anything right, he died for you. But that's not the voice we hear because we hear the voices through our brokenness. And our brokenness says, I'm, I'm embarrassed and I'm ashamed of myself and I, I, I can't imagine that anybody would like me, much less God. And so it's in our broken soul that we avoid God and we hide from God and we don't want to be around him because... As a result, it's very, very hard to hear him. And as we just said, silence is okay. The reality is because of our brokenness, it's not. Silence is what we hate the most. We can't stand to be alone with our thoughts. We're terrified of our thoughts. Our thoughts condemn us. Our thoughts say horrible things. It's a place we don't want to be. It's why we walk into the living room and turn on the TV. It's why we always have a radio station on in the car. It's why we have so much noise around us. It's why when we are sitting and, and waiting, we do something like look at Instagram. Just you know, Have you ever figured out that's like the worst thing we can do? I mean, we, we say, I'm, I'm bored, I'm feeling depressed. Let me look at Instagram because that'll cheer me up at how great everybody else's life is and how much mine sucks. That's exactly what I need right now. I mean, come on, we talk about hearing through our brokenness. How many of you, you scroll Instagram and suddenly feel like God doesn't love you anymore? Like, man, look at the favor of God on all these other people. You know, I'm a pastor, and so I follow a bunch of pastors around the world. And so I'm watching this guy like, yeah, 2,000 people baptized yesterday. 5,000 came out to hear my sermon. I'm like, yeah, God doesn't like me. I mean, it's the brokenness in our souls. We all hear, and all of this busyness, all of this noise, it becomes a voice for that. And what is the solution? I'd love to tell you the solution for this is just, hang on a second, you're fixed. But it's not. If we want to learn to silence the spiritual noise, 
There is not one sermon in the world. There is not one magic click. There's not one thing we can do that will instantly remove it. It is a lifelong process. It's a lifelong process of becoming more like him, of getting more and more healed of the brokenness that's inside of us. And, and if we start down this, it's a great thing to begin going down this journey of becoming more like Jesus and to get more and more free to where we don't hear as much of what the enemy says. We hear more of what God says. And you need to know that no matter how far you make it down the journey, you're going to say, I've still got some distance to go. And that is great. But the difference is some of us are taking off. We're running down the journey. We're saying, man, I'm going to, I'm going to pursue freedom and I'm going to become as much like Jesus as I can. And then others of us have just crossed our legs and sat down in the trail and said, I'm not moving. And so I want to encourage us that we would, that we would begin to move. We'd begin to take steps. And you're not going to get to where everything is just perfect by tomorrow. So this is why it's all the more important. Just get up and take a step towards freedom. And for some of us, it's going to come through really simple things. You would be surprised, absolutely blown away at how free you can become, how much healing you can get by doing the simplest things in life, by just getting around community, being around other believers who can encourage you and give you some words of wisdom and, and point you in the right direction. Just get into community, get into a small group or, or get a mentor in your life that you can share with them when you're having a bad day and you just talk about, man, this is what I'm feeling and thinking. And, and they can say, oh, come on, man, we know that's not in the Bible. Let me help you with what God says about you. We just, so much of what we face could be dealt with. We just take simple steps like his written voice. Remember we said last week, God has a written voice. If we would just begin to, to read that and to, to wash our souls with what God says instead of what the enemy says. We would make it so far down the path of healing and freedom. But the reality is we're all going to have some potholes and speed bumps along that path that you're not going to be able to get through on your own. And I'm not speaking bad news. I'm just telling you the reality. Because I think, unfortunately, enough of us have never heard this that we try. And so you hit a speed bump on your path and you say, oh, let me see if I can find the Bible verse for that. And you do, but you still don't know what to do with that. And that's the reason that we have people who have dedicated their lives to helping us get free in our souls. People like pastors, counselors. There are people who have said, I want to see people get free. I want you to think about it this way for a second. Now, pay attention, because at this point in the first service, three people raised their hand, and it was not a good answer. So let's try this with you guys. If someone told you your heart, your physical heart, is going to stop beating this time tomorrow if you do not go get a shot of a certain medicine from the doctor, how many of you would go to that doctor before this time tomorrow? Okay, there's a lot of death wishes going around today. That's what I'm talking about. Like in the first service, like everybody's on like a suicide watch or something. Like three hands for that. Okay, we would go. We would go see that doctor. Like I, there's no way I'm going to let my physical body stop working. But we spend so much of our lives with our soul not working that we don't take time to say, can somebody help me? I've hit a speed bump. I know the Bible says this, but I still can't get healed. I don't know what to do. Because there are people who are trained to take the word of God and what we know about the, the human soul, and they put those together and they help us walk forward. I want to encourage you to do that. And then, then the last thing, I'm just going to give you an unapologetic commercial. At Grace Life, we take this so seriously. We've developed one of our core life groups. It's called Grow Spirit Life. Anybody knows what I'm talking about? Yep. There we go. All right. A couple of people who's been to Grow Spirit Life. That was weak. I got big cheers the first service, just so you know. 
That's all right. You beat them in some, you lose them. That's the whole group is dedicated to the idea of understanding God's spirit lives inside of us. How can we be free? How can we be healed? How can we hear God's voice? How can we get that? Our, our last meeting was, was Thursday night at my house. And, and so nobody knew I was preaching this. Nobody knew my notes. Nobody knew this is what my notes said. And one of the ladies in the group spoke up and she said, silence is finally okay. Silence is finally okay. After going through this group, I'm no longer afraid of my thoughts. Matter of fact, I prefer it. How awesome is that? That's when you begin to be able to hear the voice of God is when you're not so afraid that you need distractions. And this is the reality. We're, we're kind of torn. Can we just be honest with ourselves for a minute? We all go, yes, I want what Moses got. I want what he had. I want to hear God's voice. But I can't be quiet and alone long enough because I'm afraid of myself. Because I don't know what to deal with what's going on in here. So I know I want it, but I can't get it. And you hope that by coming to a series on hearing God's voice, I could just, you know, pop out these little things that are easy and you can just kind of add them and you won't have to deal with what's broken. And I just want to tell that that's really what we tend to do as American Christians way too often on a Sunday morning. We go to church and we're looking for an easy ad. Hey, pastor, can you preach a good, encouraging, easy message that I can add to my life? And well, what I have for you today is not an easy ad. No, it's an incredibly challenging change. If you want to get to a point where you hear God's voice and you know the difference between fear from the enemy and a warning from God, concern from God and unnecessary anxiety from the stress of the world, God's saying, don't give to that person or is that the greed in your heart? Give to that one instead, but then the greed won't let you. The only way we're ever going to come to that place, the thing that we want, is we've got to go through the thing we don't want to do. And that is to silence the physical noise and silence the spiritual noise. We're going to have to take some really hard steps. Some of us in the physical realm, we're going to have to, have to change our schedules. We're going to have to go to bed earlier uh, or get up earlier or stop going to lunch with with those people so that you can take a prayer walk during lunch. I don't know what it is. I'm not telling you that there's one secret trick. We're just, we can't keep doing what we've been doing if we want to get something different. And one of the biggest things we are going to have to do is to say, there's too much spiritual noise. Even if I physically slowed down, even if I took a prayer walk, there's too much going on in here I don't want to do it. I don't think I could hear anyway. If we want what nobody else has, we will have to do what nobody else is doing. If we want to hear the voice of God like no one else is hearing, we're going to have to do what no one else is doing. We can't keep schedules and routines and brokenness that equate to people who are not seeking God 
and think that we're going to get anything from God. We're going to have to silence the physical noise. We're going to have to silence the spiritual noise. If we want to hear God speak, we must silence the noise. Before I close today, I want to talk to those of you that have never made Jesus your king. The most important thing that you ever can and ever will do is recognize what he has done for you when he died on the cross was so that you would have life. We want things like hearing God's voice, knowing that God is with us. We want his comfort. We want his peace. But the truth is all of that comes through his spirit that comes to live inside of us when we make Jesus our king. We want all of the good stuff. Well, the first thing we need to do is to surrender to him. So if you've never done that, if you've never reached that point in your life where you've said, thank you, Jesus, that you died for me, now I want to live for you. If you've never done that, I want to help you do that this morning. The good news is you don't have to stand up or come down front or do anything like that. We're going to pray right where you're seated. So if you would just join me, pray something like this to yourself and to God. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you died for me. And now I want to live for you. I thank you that you love me. I thank you for your mercy. I thank you that I'm forgiven. And my simple prayer is that you will give me a life of great meaning and great purpose in your kingdom. Amen. Let's celebrate with those people. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Grace Life Podcast. For more information about us, you can go to gracelife.me. That's gracelife.me. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash gracelifeme and on Twitter at gracelifechurch.com.